1: Explore today's must-have trends and innovative styles at Mrs. B's Clearance & Outlet. Shop one-of-a-kind finds in today's must-have trends. Explore wall-to-wall deals, furniture, flooring, mattresses, home accents, seasonal favorites, and more. Discover unique new home decor, pillows, accessories, and more. There's something perfect for your style and budget. There's new inventory every day at up to 80% off suggested retail. Discover the style and savings of Mrs. B's Clearance & Outlet. Want to look and feel better together? Team up and lose weight with Nutrisystems Partner Plan. Partners lose more weight doing it together, up to 20% more weight than doing it on their own. Get fully prepared breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and snacks delivered right to your door. Delicious foods that are ready in minutes. Now featuring new meals for two, double portion meals served up in one package and designed for weight loss. Quick to prepare and ready to share. Get Nutrisystems Partner Plan and lose weight together. Now with hearty inspirations dinners that control hunger for up to five hours. Exactly what you both need to feel full, satisfied, and energized as the weight comes off. Stop wasting money on diets that don't work and lose weight with NutraSystem's partner plan. Get started for as low as $10 a day. Go to nutrasystem.com meals right now and get a deal for two. Just go to nutrasystem.com meals.
0: Expect to lose an average one to two pounds a week. Offer restrictions apply. See website for details. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. From Diddy TV, this is Insights, a conversation-driven show where today, Amy Wright sits down with acclaimed singer-songwriter, much-admired activist, and champion of civil rights and progressive thought. Mary Gaucher. Mary made a breathtaking collection of songs that she recently released as a studio album titled Dark Enough to See the Stars, and you'll get to hear all about the inspiration behind and making of the record today. It's her 11th album, the follow-up to the profound Rifles and Rosary Beads, her 2018 collaborative work with wounded Iraq War veterans. That record garnered a Grammy nomination for Best Folk Album as well as a nomination for Album of the Year by the Americana Music Association. So that should give you an idea of the caliber of artist Mary truly is. We're so honored to host her on the show today and excited to hear what she has to say. So without further ado, here's Amy Wright with Mary Gaucher on Insights.
2: Thanks for coming and talking to us about uh, Dark Enough to See the Stars. That's the latest album, but we kind of wanted to go back a little ways and and uh, talk about your life, and then get to the new album, because that's very exciting. And um, I have to say that you're a very inspiring person.
3: Thank you. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm a late bloomer.
2: Well, you're not only a late bloomer, but you had to overcome a lot to get to where you are. And, you know, that's an inspiring story in and of itself, but you took it to a new level. <laughs> so you went way past what most people would have accomplished uh, you know, having to overcome as much as you did. Um, but I thought we would go back and talk a little bit about growing up in New Orleans and uh, where it was right outside New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Thibodeau,
2: South Louisiana. So do you consider yourself kind of a New Orleans person? I mean, what was it like growing up there?
3: Well, you know, I, I think of myself as from Louisiana. Yeah. Um, But citizen of the world, yeah. you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm Southern because yeah. of, of being born in New Orleans, raised in Baton Rouge. And then I went around a bit and then back to Baton Rouge for five years of college. And then I left for good, but I, uh, I definitely, uh, uh, have Southern, uh, heritage and, and, and I also feel the, you know, the Cajun st- Thing. My last name's Gauche and, you know, ancestors that come from Eastern Canada. But I was adopted, and so I'm kind of one removed from everything. Being adopted is weird, and, and so there's a mm, sort of a, a pause in it, you know. It's like, I think I'm from there. I mean, I don't know. There's <laughs> a, I don't have... The story, you know, of, yeah. of what happened that brought me to earth. <laughs> I just kind of woke up here. I don't have a birth story. I spent the first year of my life in a place called St. Vincent de Paul's, and it was where uh, unmarried uh, women and girls went when they got pregnant. Uh, in those days, the babies were put up for adoption through the Catholic Church if they were Catholic girls. Uh, and I spent my first year there and was adopted by an Italian Catholic family in South Louisiana, as was my adoptive brother and other members of my extended family. So, I mean, it's a tricky old story that lends itself to songwriting, that's for sure.
2: I was going to say there's a lot of stories there. How did you sort of deal with all those, those issues? I mean, there's, that's a lot to deal with as a kid.
3: Well, I became a raging drug addict and a horrible alcoholic was my first coping mechanism. I quit school, ran away from home, uh, was deeply troubled, didn't know why, uh, and I struggled. And um, all of those strategies failed and I ended up getting sober in 1990. And after I got sober, I started writing songs and songs led me to start to make sense of what had happened um, when I was a little person. And I think music and song have been my salvation to be honest and and my sobriety. I'm 32 years sober now and uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so I wrote a book about it. I've written songs about it and I'm, I'm just uh, able to create from from some of that, that uh, confusion and it brings me uh, it brings me peace. And, and I mean, I called the book saved by a song for a reason. I think it's been my salvation to be an artist.
2: I know the book came out last year and I love the title saved by a song. Um, what did, what was that salvation for you? What was that turning point in your life? And was it music for you or was it something else? And then music kind of came from that.
3: Yeah, you know, I was in the restaurant business in Boston. I had three different restaurants going. Um, I had investors who, who um, put the money down and I came up with the ideas. Uh, and opening night of my second restaurant, I got arrested for drunk driving. And that was my come to Jesus moment. And I was able to get sober, July 1990. And I've been sober ever since. So um, I was in the kitchens for 10 years cooking and running the restaurant uh, sober uh, and started writing songs after I got brought to an open mic by one of my waitresses Uh, and I I just saw her up on stage singing an original song and I thought, God I want to do that and I started writing songs and going to open mics and playing them so it was a process of of becoming a songwriter and then uh, the music and songs started to be because I stayed sober, uh, a way of metabolizing my story in a new way. And uh, it, it slowly over time became deeply attached to my purpose. And I think that's been the long answer to a, to a, a question that you just asked, which is how did it become a salvation? Yeah. I think it attached to purpose uh, mm-hmm. and it gave me a reason to get up in the morning and it still does.
2: So when did you start playing guitar? Was that when you were younger? Or was that in your as an adult?
3: Um, I had a guitar when I was a kid. I, 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 you know, I thrashed at it a little bit. I didn't get good at it. Uh, I am still not that good at it. I got my little thing that I do. Um, But I really went to uh, the open mics with uh, a sort of a, a a songwriter mentality like I'm never I'm too old I started at 40 you know I'm too old to become a great musician but I'm not too old to become a great songwriter and so in my estimation I think of a musician as someone who studies the instrument and I never did i I I, I studied the art form of songwriting and used the instrument to expedite that but I'm not, I don't have a deep knowledge of of music theory or or, or really how to how to professionalize my playing, but my heroes didn't either. You know, nobody would say John Prine, what a guitar player, you know, or Hank Williams, boy, could he play guitar, or (laughs) Johnny Cash. We we know enough to write songs, and simple songs, Uh, but the beauty of a simple song is that it's only simple on the surface. Uh, The the emotional depths uh, of a simple song are actually quite uh, complex.
2: No, it's true. When you when you hear a simple song and the lyrics are so carefully chosen that even in three minutes it can send you to tears,
3: it's amazing the power of words. Yeah, combined with music,
0: mm-hmm. combined
3: combine lyric music and truth, exactly. emotional truth, and you end up with uh, a pretty transformative art form uh, that uh, I think can... Can alchemize um, uh, trauma in some ways. I've certainly used that uh, to alchemize some of my trauma, and in the work I've done with veterans um, over the last 10 years, co-writing with wounded veterans, using mu- music and song to articulate uh, the 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 ineffable. Really, you can't you can't get to it with just words, but melody can get in there and point to that truth that's inside this person or inside me and and then bring it out and you know I always say that songs are or when they're working they show your insides on the outside and uh, this allows you to be seen and known and, and and that is how we connect.
2: So when did you actually um, begin songwriting or music as a career when did you make that break from your restaurants, and then you transitioned to just being a musician, and was that hard? Was it hard to give up, um, kind of a steady gig that you obviously were good at? You had three restaurants that you were um, managing, and, um, and you know, music is an unknown at that point. Uh, what was that leap?
3: Yeah, it was terrifying. It was, it was horrifying, terrifying, and I tried to make myself not do it <laughs> it was so scary because like you said I had a steady gig and I was the boss and it was working yeah but I wasn't happy mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't love it the way that I did in the beginning uh, and it became a bit of an albatross I didn't want to be responsible for all those people and their families and uh, mm-hmm. I didn't mmm uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't enjoy the success uh, the way that one would if it was your purpose. Uh-huh. Um, and so because I was so, so sober and because in recovery they talk about um, uh, 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 about, about be, becoming more real, I had to be honest that what I really really loved was music and song. I had fallen out of love with the kitchen and fallen in love with, um, with being a songwriter. And so, it wasn't an event that I just quit, it was a process, you know, it, it was a whisper that became a conversation, that became me going to open mics regularly, uh, that became me making a record and then making another record, and then I got invited to play, of all things, the Newport Folk Festival. Wow. And to me, that was the universe going, you wouldn't be on that stage if you sucked. It doesn't happen. So. Maybe, just maybe, you should take this seriously and go to Nashville and dedicate yourself to it. And if it doesn't work, you could always go open another restaurant, find investors and come up with another restaurant. So that was my process, you know. I got in this sort of process after I got sober, and then the universe started saying, you can do this because of clues that were being dropped. I won this uh, well I didn't win, I was nominated for a Boston Music Award for Best New Artist and um, I didn't win but the nomination was astonishing like best new artist? I mean in Boston there's five million people playing music and I'm one who's nominated in this category of four people? That's a validation that I had to take seriously. And so I moved to Nashville in 2001, and I've been here ever since.
2: So you pack your bags, you move to Nashville. Do you remember arriving, and did you know people? I mean, mm-hmm. what was what was that like, or you're just you're you're arriving cold?
3: <laughs> arriving cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, a relationship had ended, so uh, she went her way. I went to Nashville, and I came here. Uh, uh, you know, just hoping that I could figure out a few I mean looking back on it now the the audacity of it all is kind of amazing to me Um, (laughs) but I started knocking on doors and some people answered and I ended up with uh, one thing that helped me is my booking agent was here in Nashville at the time I was being booked by Keith Case Uh, and he also booked Guy Clark and he had put me on the road with Guy and so I was opening for Guy for, for quite a while there and uh, I started banging on the door of Albanetta, who managed John Prime, begging out to let me open for John. And so uh, I got that gig. I was able to open for John. Uh, and then I knocked on the door of Harlan Howard Songs. Harlan had just recently passed away, but his widow started working with me, and she got me a record deal on Universal Lost Highway. And then I started being connected. And uh, Nashville uh, has been. Uh, really good to me, and uh, uh, continues to be a place where I feel very comfortable. I like, I like, I like being here. I, I like that I came here. I think it was the right place.
2: What was it like sharing the stage with John Prine? It was obviously one of your songwriting heroes. Um, when you first met him?
3: What was that like? <laughs> i was scared to death. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> it was nerve-wracking to be honest cuz I don't think of myself as a singer I don't think of myself as a musician I'm a songwriter I'm up there croaking my way through it but see John feels the same way or felt the same way uh, he would make stage jokes about about his uh, you know his his scars from his cancer surgery he's you know he said it, it screwed up my voice but nobody will notice because it was already screwed up <laughs> yeah. and so he was really kind to me and He brought me up to sing Paradise at the end of every show. Uh, Got a verse, got to sing with him. I don't know how to sing harmony, so I just sang in tandem with him. It gave me confidence, you know, I was nervous, though. It was like, uh, it just felt surreal. And, uh, you know, and I got to be on stage with Willie Nelson. And his manager managed me for a year, Mark Rothbaum. Put me on the road with Willie onto the bus with... uh, with that, with that crew in the United Kingdom, and I'm like, my, I feel like Forrest Gump. Like, how is this happening to me? I, I, uh, I got to sing the gospel finale, finale with Willie, and uh, will the circle be unbroken? And it's a medley, and it goes on, and he stands on stage, and the band plays, and he signs, you know, records and uh, hats and shirts and neck neckerchiefs, and he, you know, the band will play and play the finale thing, and it, it was and is still kind of amazing to me. It feels like a movie, like I'm in a movie.
2: I know Willie Nelson's like a musical shaman, you know, he's just sort of one of those people everyone's drawn to. And, but you know, here's the thing, like you said, the signs were in the universe, um, that, that this is what you needed to to do with your life and you're doing it and you've been, uh, incredible at it. So it was obviously your calling and, um, what was uh, the first album you put out um, under the label, and what did that sort of, how did, that, how did your life change after that first album?
3: Yeah, the first album that came out uh, on the major label, Universal Lost Highway, is called Mercy Now. Uh, and, um, and that was the big springboard because of the uh, marketing budget. You know the major label put a half a million dollars into branding my name thank you thank you thank you thank you to this day thank you and and um uh they got me uh introduced to mark rothbaum who's willie's manager Uh, willie was on the label as well Uh, and that got me into uh, a different tier of opportunities um and they got me on cbs sunday morning and uh, big, big things that uh, brought me into the public eye and ears uh, that uh, to this day, I still ride the momentum of that. And I still work with the publicist that was at that label. That label folded. Uh, everybody that worked there scattered and, and went into uh, other jobs. But the publicist that was on Lost Highway is still my publicist, Jim Flammio. We've been together for 20 years. We
2: love yeah. Jim. <laughs>
3: he's I, great i can't imagine working with anybody else he's my guy and um and so i got to keep him uh thankful um and uh, the the experience was great because even though it was a major label it was an imprint off of a major label and we didn't have the same uh rules uh there weren't mandates to have to have hits and be on the radio and be commercial it wasn't that way uh it was you know lucinda ryan adams um Myself, for a while, it was Hayes Carl and, and uh, Tiff Merritt. Uh, and they put out the cash records on American recordings that uh, ran through Lost Highway. And so there were, you know, outsiders, outlaws, and, and people who just didn't play by the rules, and that was fun. So do you like performing as well? Mm-hmm. I love being on stage, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love being, uh, I'm a troubadour at heart. Um, when I left the restaurant business, it was my deepest wish to not have to run a large number of people uh, employed by me ever again. I just didn't, I don't have the disposition for it. And uh, I didn't want to do it, I didn't want to be responsible for me. And that's kind of what I've done. I'm a troubadour. Spotlight, bottle of water, bar stool, stories and songs. and. Uh, you know, I'll hire a band for some festivals and I'll hire a band uh, probably for the Franklin Theater CD release show. But that's a one of or a couple of shows. I don't have a touring band or a bus or all those things that I didn't want. You know, I, I kind of like the freedom of, of, it, of it being a Troubadour career. And I, um, I travel light and I, I, I love the freedom of it.
2: You know, you, um, you mentioned your work with, with veterans and co- co-writing songs with veterans. And you put out in 2018, you released Rifles and Rosemary Beads. And you co-wrote the songs with veterans. How did this project come about?
3: Yeah, I've been a part of a nonprofit that paired songwriters with uh, wounded veterans. And I started writing songs uh, with the wounded veterans. They're not songwriters, but they have story. And we just bear witness and, and, and help, help tell their story. And so these songs started piling up and at a certain point I asked for permission to make a record of of 10 of them. Uh, And it went on uh, to be called Rifles and Rosary Beads. And the the experience of putting that out into the world was incredible. Being able to tell the veterans stories and sort of help build a bridge across the civilian military divide. Because we have that in this country. There's um, a real separation between those who've served in their families and those, those who, who are, are civilians. And helping to explain some of, of what our, our veterans go through and are going through uh, has been a real privilege. And um, uh, I, have, I still, to this day, play those songs and, and I have uh, an a, 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 a affinity for it. Um, it's, a, it's a privilege. Was it cathartic
2: for the veterans as well? to kind of get oh, their yeah. story out there?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I imagine it would, would be. Oh yeah, because it helps people to understand something that they can't explain. You can't, when you, have, when you have deep trauma, there's no words, it's ineffable. But music has the ability to go where words cannot reach, even poetry, even metaphor. Music can creep in and explain. How and did you draw the story out of them? well bearing witness in non-judgment creating safety really listening not inserting myself um, and not asking them to recount their most traumatic moments but just listening uh, and uh, figuring what it is that they wanted to say and are comfortable saying and and using that as the springboard Um, and the songs almost Write themselves when you have some, someone with you who has such story inside them.
2: So let's talk about the, uh, the new album, "Dark Enough to See the Stars." It's being released on Thirty Tigers, And I, I had the privilege of uh, listening to the whole album, and it, I love every song. It's just beautifully written. And the melodies are gorgeous. Um, you must be really proud of this album.
3: Thank you. I am. It, it is a uh, labor of love. This record is, uh, is complicated in that it's the story of mature adult love. I'm in, a, I'm in a wonderful relationship with a beautiful person and I'm happy. And that has not been my story for most of my life. So it's like, yay, before I die, <laughs> I get to have this. And so it's, it's just joyful. And then there's also the complexity of what's playing on in the background is the pandemic and grief and loss and people that are close to me passing away. And so there's this complex, uh, tangled, um, tricky, emotional story of of romantic love and grief happening simultaneously in my life, and and, uh, a sense of wonder at all of it. Um, It's been a surreal couple of years. It really has, for all of us.
2: It has been a surreal couple of years, and I think there's some positives and negatives that were going on. I mean, I think a lot of us that had to slow down and that wasn't the worst thing, but um, it took us out of our routines and just put us in a whole new world. We didn't really um, comprehend that well. Uh, What were you doing during the pandemic? Were you writing these
3: songs, but were you doing other things as well? Well, I finished the book during the pandemic in the early stages, and then it came out in 2021. So that gave me you know, I'm off the road completely, so I just was able to sit and focus and finish the manuscript and get that to the, get that to the finish line was a big deal. Uh, and, uh, and then I, I uh, definitely uh, upped my game with co-writing uh, and also every Sunday we did a live stream from here in the office and uh, reached out to the listeners around the world and, 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 and I'm, still, I'm still doing that on Sunday afternoons when I'm not on the road um and people love the um the intimacy of it it's not a a polished professional television show it's a live stream from my office i call it sunday with mary uh and i'm, I'm having friends come over now yesterday Alison Mora dropped in and and we just swapped songs and i'll bring musical friends in and and sometimes i'll just do a solo sometimes i'll read from the book i'll take questions so we pivoted pretty quickly uh to the live stream format uh, and I used the time uh, to to complete this song cycle uh, and uh, uh, get this record uh, uh, to the finish line as well, and the book. So when you wrote Saved by a Song,
2: was that uh, like a pivotal moment in your life, just like, I can talk about all this and put it behind me? Or did you have to reach a certain place in your life that you could even do that?
3: Well, you know... The honest reason why I wrote the book is because I got a, a book deal, you know. Mm-hmm. They paid me to write the book and that became my job. I'm gonna write the book. Now, I always wanted to write a book, but the level of difficulty in writing a book is is so high that I probably would have never done it unless I was given this opportunity to do it for a publisher. Um, and so I'm grateful for St. Martin's Press for bringing me on board and and giving me a deadline and, and um, making it my job. You write the book because your, your job is to write this book. Um, but the beauty of the book is that it gave me a deeper understanding of, uh, I don't know, the events of, of my life and, and the way that one thing led to another and how music and song has been such an important part of my recovery and how I was able to take what I learned and use it to help uh, uh, other people dealing with trauma and how they were able to then help other people in the chain of of service that radiates outward Uh, when one person gets sober uh, is is pretty incredible
2: well you know dark enough to see the stars is um, sort of when I just read the title it made me think of clarity and I wasn't sure what your intention was and I hadn't listened to all the music at that point, but that's the first thing that came to mind was um, I can, I've achieved clarity in some way. What, what, did, what did the title mean to you?
3: I think that's a wonderful insight. Um, my sense is that is that um, growth comes through pain. Growth doesn't come through a desire to grow. Growth comes through pain. I'm talking about emotional, spiritual growth because it gets our attention. And once it has our attention, we're given opportunities uh, to internalize some lessons. Uh, and so clarity is a great way of looking at that. That, that sense of, of what matters, uh, the focusing of the lens of the camera. Uh, it happens when we're grieving and when we're in pain. And pain can be purposeful if we get the lesson or if I get the lesson. Uh, and um, honestly, I think the, the, the metaphor came from a Dr. King speech. And what he was mm-hmm. talking about was the lash of, of racism and oppression in America. Uh, and uh, offering this metaphor as, as, as a ray of hope to the people he was talking to. Uh, and that's I bring it as a ray of hope as well. That we've been in, in quite a dark time. Uh, but we've had this opportunity to focus on what is important and, and what does matter. And, uh, and do I want to live the rest of my life uh, in a relationship with what matters? And now that I've been given some idea of what matters, I've been slowed to a halt, um, I don't know, what do I do with that? And uh, for me, the, the real answer is I want to love people better be more present.
2: So where did you record the album?
3: In Nashville. Um, I recorded in East Nashville uh, with Dylan Aldridge and uh, at the dials and uh, Nielsen Hubbard as a producer and the band is all Nashville uh, people and uh, uh, we had a a really good time doing it. Everybody uh, was uh, vaccinated and we didn't have to wear masks and we uh, went into the studio and did it in um, in five days. Was it fun to be back with people? It sounds like
2: it was at, during that time when we were all kind of in our corners and not being able to see anybody. I remember feeling very isolated. and when we finally started to be able to be in person again, it was I'll never take it for granted. Let me just say that.
3: it was it was it was right after um, right after the vaccines came out and people. Um, started to uh, uh, get that sense of um, uh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. And and, um, also, I think uh, um, a lot of us had had been on the road uh, uh, and uh, had gotten off the road. And then once we got vaccinated, we felt we could go back on the road. And then Omicron came and we realized, oh, shoot, everybody's getting COVID even though they're vaccinated. And then started to realize, well, if you're vaccinated and you get Omicron, you're not going to have as serious a illness as if you weren't vaccinated. And that was the time we got the second shot, I think, if I remember right. And then we went in the studio. But it's blurry, isn't it? Like, I think I've had three shots at this point.
2: Yeah, no, I had three shots and then I got COVID, just like you're describing. And, uh, and then I said, okay, I got that monkey off my back now. I can just not worry about this anymore. The vaccine worked, you know, I just have to keep going back in for whatever booster they offer.
3: <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Once I, yeah. think once I had, I was vax- triple vaxxed and I got it. Yeah. Oh uh, no, it was double vaxxed and I got it. And, and I realized, wow, the vaccine's working. Uh, this is pretty miserable, but I'm not in the hospital. I don't want to get it again, but there's also a relief, uh, in that, um, uh, I didn't end up being one of the ones that would be, end up hospitalized yeah. in spite of being vaccinated. There's some relief in that.
2: And Absolutely. natural
3: immunity. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know. I felt pretty um, emboldened after I had it. I said, hey, you know, I can go anywhere now.
3: <laughs> right. For a little while, anyway. For a
2: little while. I got a short period of time to run out and see some shows in big stadiums and whatever else. Um, let's talk about some of the songs on the album. It starts with uh, The Meadow which I thought was, uh, you know, kind of a beautiful uh, metaphor. Um, tell, me about, tell me about that song.
3: Yeah, I wrote that song with uh, my, one of my favorite co-writers, Ben Glover, a songwriter uh, who's from Belfast. Uh, he lives in Nashville now, but when I met him and started writing with him, he lived in uh, uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, and it's from uh, an inspiration that we got f- uh, from a book written by Odie Lindsey who is a Vanderbilt professor and also a veteran. Uh, and uh, it, the book takes uh, take place in Mississippi, uh, lower Southern Mississippi, and it's, and it's written from the perspective of a female veteran who comes home and is trying to rebuild her life. Uh, and so in my mind, that's who the narrator is in that song and driving, uh, you know, Highway 90, uh, that, that famous highway down the Gulf Coast and trying to make sense of her marriage uh, and and how to stay, trying to figure out how to stay. It's hard to stay
2: when you're highly traumatized. It is hard to stay when you're highly traumatized. And I remember you mentioned uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi, in the song, and I've been yeah. there many times. So Yeah, me the, too. Yeah, the uh, there's nothing like kind of being along the coast uh, of, uh, you know, that Gulf Coast area through Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, beautiful yeah, the, part of the world
3: it, and it's a vulnerable part of the world, you know. Hurricanes hit hard down there and the barrier islands don't protect it and it's, you know, the, the, those towns are dangling, you know, and, and the coasts are eroding and it's, it's haunted and gorgeous and southern and it's got all of that weight. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible part of our country.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we are, speaking of that, we are on the Gulf today. I feel it. Yeah, uh, our studio's in Memphis. That's where where the network is, and that's where we normally are. But we are filming down here, and we happen to be doing this, your interview, from the Gulf Coast, and uh, we had a big storm earlier, and it's just beautiful. There's nothing like it, standing out on the balcony, and, you know, just the power of the water and the waves and... The Everything mighty, else,
3: mighty Gulf, yes, indeed.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's just beautiful. So let's talk about Amsterdam. Amsterdam is uh, a single that you released. Um, I happen to love Amsterdam. Uh, I went to Amsterdam to see the Starry Night Van Gogh painting, and it was on loan to some museum in the U.S. In New York City, <laughs> right? It was in New York City at the time, but I still had a blast in Amsterdam. And there's so much going on there. But what, is, what does Amsterdam mean to you?
3: Well, I'm very familiar with Holland. My first record deal was in 97 on a Dutch label. In fact, I know that the Starry, Starry Night painting is at the Kruller muller Museum, which is outside of Amsterdam Right. in, in its natural uh, placement. I don't. They do tour these paintings. But uh, um, the Dutch people have been really good to me. I've spent a lot of time in Amsterdam, written a lot of songs in Amsterdam. It's one of my favorite cities. And I got to go there last summer uh, with my partner, Jamie, and it was such a, a joy to, to be back. And the song captures that, like my favorite person, my favorite city, my favorite hotel. It's like, we're here. It's working. This is great. <laughs> and um, it, it just is a just an unapologetically joyful song that it, it celebrates sort of getting out of the house Getting out of the country, getting back to what we do—it uh, was that little window between Delta and Omicron, I think, when we thought the vaccines were a fix-all, uh, and uh, I, we had that week there. And uh, you know, we started writing the song uh, in the hotel room.
2: One of the other favorites on the album that was "Truckers and Troubadours." I liked the—I liked the title of it, but I liked the song. I just thought it was great. Uh, Thank you. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I wrote that with uh, uh, I wrote that on Zoom, with a long haul truck driver. Uh, at the beginning, of the pandemic, the only people on the roads were truckers, and uh, sure. we caught him uh, in between a haul. Uh, we being myself and Darden Smith, the co-founder of Songwriting with Soldiers, and uh, Paul Paul is a friend, and Darden said, "Well, let's write a let's write a song with with long haul Paul." I'm like, great. So we hopped on the Zoom and did a three, three-way three right. And we real because Paul said, you know, when I listen to you and Darden talk, it sounds like a bunch of truck drivers talking at a cafe. I'm like, troubadours and truckers have a lot in common. We're sort of uh, uh, similar personality types, uh, malcontents, you know, we... All we can think about is we want to get home, and when we get home, all we can think about is we want to get back on the road, and that's just how we do our life. And so we just started drawing the parallels in the, in the verses uh, around the life of a truck driver and a troubadour and realize, gosh, you know, we're kindred.
2: Yeah, well, I'm sure truckers have a lot of stories to tell as well, right? They do. They see a lot. They see a lot more than most people do.
3: They do. They meet people along the way. They do. And they were our saviors during COVID. <laughs> they definitely kept things uh, stocked. If without the mm-hmm. truck drivers, and there were no rest stops for them, by the way, there were no restaurants mm-hmm. for them. Everything was shut down. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Darden said, "Man, let's let's do this with Paul. Let's 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 give something back to this guy. He's given us a lot." And that's such a good impulse. Yeah.
2: So you finish up the album with "Thank God for You," and um, why did you finish the album with that particular song? And tell me a little bit about it, because it, it seemed there was joy in it. Um, there was also, um, it seemed like it was almost about a particular person that meant something to you, but I wasn't
3: sure. Yeah, I think it's about uh, the, the uh, for me, it, 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 it's a story song about finding love. And, and the relief of finding love later in life and knowing that this isn't a given and there's this just absolute gratitude that comes from finding your person uh, in, in, in a miraculous way later in life in all your broken glory and and agedness uh and having it be right there's a magnificence to that that is glorious and uh, the only thing i could think of is is thank god for you you know that this sense of of um acceptance of me of who i am and and all of my you know imperfection to say the least um you know, I didn't find love young. It didn't work for me. I was just too much of a mess and a wreck. And in my defense, it wasn't all my fault. I had a pretty rough start and I had a lot to work through. Uh, and I didn't understand that I really wasn't relationship material myself. Uh, and um, and all of that information and all of that work um, culminated in preparing me for 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 what was next. And, um, you know, uh, I guess the song is a celebration of of having this connection to this person that uh, uh, I didn't know I would live long enough and get healthy enough to have. Uh, And yeah, it is about Jamie, my partner, but it's also about doing the work and finding the person. It, it's it's about me but it's also uh, more than that it's not not everybody is is able to do this when they're young cuz of trauma and addiction and hard stories it got, it, it's hard and, it's really uh,
2: hard to find the person that you love uh, i my husband and i met each other when we were close to 40 and so uh we were late to that game as well, and uh, I think there's a lot of self-doubt and wondering whether is there something wrong with me, and maybe sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't, but I think that um, we're all blessed if we can find that other person that really loves us.
3: Yeah, amen, and so much of it has to do with timing, and so much of it has to do with just, I think, dumb luck. I'm not one thinking of who thinks this is all destined like no I had to work real hard and change parts of myself that uh, that needed work Uh, and still do in a lot of ways but but that didn't mean that I was gonna absolutely then find the person like it it kind of blessed luck.
2: Well, I'm so happy for you. It sounds like you're in an awesome place in your life with, a, with a gr- lots of good, great things going on personally and professionally. Um, the new album is, is incredible, and uh, I guess you're going to go out on tour soon, so everyone will get to see you soon.
3: We're hitting the road pretty hard with this one, yeah. I'll be out for quite a while. As many uh, tour dates as they can get me, that's how many we're going to play. It'll be, it'll be at least a, a solid year of running around, COVID willing.
2: Well, let us know if you're going to be in Memphis. We'd yes, love to I have will. you by the studio. So I would like that. Thank you. And Mary, have a great week. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
3: Appreciate talking to you. Thank you, Amy.
0: Thanks so much to Grammy-nominated and internationally adored singer-songwriter Mary Gaucher for stopping by to chat all about her latest record, The Heartbreaking Yet Inspiring Dark Enough to See the Stars. Mary's visions of progress and the way she intuitively uses her voice in songwriting is truly admirable and worth learning more about. So we hope you enjoyed listening and that you'll do everything you can to support this courageous artist from all of us at Diddy TV. Thanks again for tuning in today. And we hope to see you again real soon, right here on insights.
1: The venture X card from capital one gives you premium travel benefits perfect for seeing taylor swift the eras tour presented by capital One. Oh, i do love her earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through capital one travel
0: enjoy your stay in suite 13
1: whoa 13 that's taylor's lucky number the venture x card from capital one what's in your wallet
4: terms apply see capital one.com for details